The following message is from Grace on the Ashley Baptist Church, located in Charleston, South Carolina. For more information about Grace on the Ashley, visit graceontheashley.org. Amen. What a perfect, perfect song for today's message. It's great to be with you again, Marcia, and I thank you for the opportunity to come back to Grace on the Ashley and to be here an honor to get to uh, proclaim the Lord's word today with you, to you, for us, and this moment that God has orchestrated in time and uh, to be together. And so I'm excited about that. If you'll turn in your Bibles to John chapter 10, verse 10, and to Luke chapter 9, verse 23, and you may ask, how can I do that on my app at the same time? So you may just, I'll remind you in a second when we need to move around, but we're going to do, we're going to get going here. And I'm thankful for uh, Greg letting me get to come back and to, uh, for Marcia and I get to be here today. So we're pretty jazzed about that. When you think about Jesus, if I, I'm going to ask the question, and if you want to write this down, you can. What are two or three titles of Jesus or your way of viewing him that comes to your mind first? So just think about that in your life. When you think about Jesus, um, what, what, what is a title or a, a, a thing that he's done that is your word for describing him that you might say in your life, think about that for just a moment. That's great. He's awesome. I like that. And uh, that's wonderful. I, and I think that's, that's, a, that's wonderful. Most of us, first of all, say he's Savior. We think about him in the role of rescuing us, saving us, changing our futures and destinies. And, and there are uh, many, 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 many titles for Jesus, many, many things that recognize him as who he is and his place as, uh, uh, that, is, that are important, and they're all valuable and right. One of the things that probably doesn't pop into people's mind quickly is Lord. It's there, but, you know, we come back, most of us come from an English background of some sort, but... We haven't really lived in England, and so the Lord thing kind of doesn't really make that much sense to us. As, but they, Jesus uses it all the time, and, and, and so it's important. And we're going to look a little bit about today about what is the really the first call of discipleship when Jesus is asking us, us to follow him. So Lord, please bless this day. Let us all grow closer to you. Let us be changed and be uh, in, in our minds and our hearts. Let us grow to a place that's new and fresher, that's richer, that we will have, that you will uh, use this time, this time in your word, this time to understand and know you more. And God, as you call and tug us and you pull on our hearts today and you teach us things, let us be quickly willing to say yes to your, to your word and to your Holy Spirit's leadership in our, in our lives. So when in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus is, is using a phrase here that, uh, that is going to be a, a uniquely special for Christians. And he said, uh, let's look at verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to kill, to steal, and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it in abundance or abundantly. I come that they have abundant life, abundant life in your spirit, in your soul in your mind, in your body. The presence of the Holy Spirit will dwell 
in Christians. And just a few, uh, um, uh, a few weeks after this, this talking and this time, Jesus is going to be, he's going to be crucified, resurrected, he's going to sin. So in a short, short time, the Holy Spirit's going to come and the church is going to be founded and the Holy Spirit's going to live inside people and the Holy Spirit's going to be the temple. So that's, that's a, that is a, a great thing that's going to take place. If you're a believer, that's happened in your life. If you're a Christian and you've asked God to forgive you of your sins, to be your Savior and Lord, that he is in you, he's dwelling in you, your spiritual DNA has changed, you're now a child of God, and now you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. So this is the bonus rounds of being a Christian. It isn't that we're just saved from hell, we're saved into a relationship with God, which means you also become the temple of God on the earth and the Holy Spirit inside of you. All of these benefits are just amazing on the earth, and they go, it's like the super bonus round when we get to go to heaven and be with the Lord Jesus face to face. So this is, the, we were talking about this the other, the, uh, yesterday with uh, Dr. Costin, uh, the president of Charleston Southern University, and just the list, the amazing amount of things that being a Christian gives you, that God has done and gone to all of this hard work to do for you so that you can have a relationship with him, so that you can walk with God, so that you can know Jesus, <clears throat> so that you can be in step with the Spirit. And so these are great stuff. These are great things. So abundant life. So God wants you to have abundant life in him. But this is kind of interesting. There's a prerequisite to, the, to how did this happens in your life in a routine daily way. And sometimes throughout the day. If you look at Luke chapter 9, turn, turn to the left in your Bible app or your holy Bible in your hands with us. And look to, turn to Luke chapter 9. That's one of my favorite passages in the scripture, and it has some other, sec other passages with it that's neat to see. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And Jesus was saying to them all, if anyone, if anyone wishes to come after me, to follow me, if anyone wishes to follow me, what must he do? If anyone wishes to follow me, he must deny himself, Take up his cross daily and follow me. The cross is not a workout tool. Oh, this is, you know, I've got my cross to bear, you know. My wife's not as pretty, you know, as I am. And so, you know, my cross to bear is that. My boss is a nut. That's my cross to bear, <clears throat> you know, whatever it is, you know. I don't have a cool, good-looking ears like, like Dr. Harville has. So, you know, that's my cross to bear. And so, you know, people have, so we got all this, I get, this got this stuff, this cross to bear. Crosses were not, they, Jesus carried a cross to be crucified on it to die. So it's the cross that we bear isn't your cross, it's his cross. And he's saying, die to self every day. Follow me. Be crucified with me every day. So you say, well, how could I do that? How could I do that? But you come to the Lord and you say, Lord, I die to self. I live in you. And this life which you now live in the flesh, according to Paul in Galatians, this life you now live in the flesh, you live by faith in the Son of God who loves you and delivered himself for you so that you could have this first life. But what Jesus says you've got to do first, your first call of discipleship every day is to say, Lord, this day is yours, not my will, but yours be done. 
I surrender myself to you as Lord. And so this idea, this concept of lordship uh, is, is really a, a beautiful thing. But Jesus is calling us to say, God, I give you myself. Now, we know that God wants us to give to bad things in life. We want to give those to him, and we want to and, and, and have that part of our life sanctified. And so we're, we will say, okay, God, so for the sinful things and me doing this and this and this, I'll die to those things, and, and I'll try to live a noble life. And that's good, and that's part of it. The next part's even a little harder. God wants you also to die to the good things in your life and give them him authority over the good things in your life. Your ambition, your plans, your, your, your will, what you, you perceive that you're going to do in your life. Are you asking God to, is it okay if I go out with this person or not? Are you seeking in the word what his will is on those things? Are you seeking the Lord to say, God, is it my, is it, do you want us to be a part of this church? I mean, you did that. That should have done part of the process. God will go where you want us to go. And where was that? And did you feel God's peace? And you surrendered that to the Lord and you follow the Lord's will in that process. And God brought you and that's, that's how that kind of works. And it should work in every area of your, out, of your life. That you should be able to say, God, your will be done in my life today I died to self, and then you get to live that abundant life because you're walking with Jesus and you're learning and you're growing, and he's teaching us uh, great and wonderful things. If anyone wishes to come after me, let him follow me. So dying to self is the first prerequisite to being able to, to follow the Lord is to say, not my will, Lord, yours. Now, when we talk about lordship, when we talk about Lord, one of the things that's important to get about that is that that's part of Romans in the confession in Romans chapter 10. You know, if you will, if you will confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is in charge, that he is, he is the person who, who gets to run stuff. He's sitting at the right hand of God. He's been, the title of Lord is his. He is Lord of Lords. He's King of Kings. He is in this role. He runs stuff. He owns stuff. When he comes down and he's doing the Great Commission, he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So he's in charge. And he says, I want you to follow me. And part of, and part of the obedience things that God wants us to do just make a lot of sense. But just think about these I'm gonna, the six little things that maybe will touch one of your lives. They're big things, actually. But they'll touch maybe this is something God is working in your life today that might be a big deal. God is calling you, if you're a follower of him, if he, is, if he is Lord of your life, he is saying, here's some things I want you to do. I want you to be baptized, because I was baptized. I want you to follow me in that. I want you to take the Lord's Supper, because I set this meal up, and I said you do it in remembrance of me. I want you to follow me. I want you to do this and keep doing this. I want you to tell other people about me, and I want you to not... Be ashamed of me. I want you to boldly tell other people that you're a Christian and not be afraid of doing that. I want you to proclaim that. Otherwise, I'm not going to, if you deny me on the earth, I'm not, I'm going to, you know, you're not going to do good in heaven in this. So you got to, this is important. So Jesus says, you want to follow me? This would be something you need to do. If you're a secret Christian, if the people at your workplace, at your school, at your neighborhood do not know that you are a Christian, you really need to rethink how you're doing on, on this because that ought to be, you know, like a five minute into the conversation kind of deal. 
uh, so this is who I am. This is, I'm, you know, I, I love Jesus. And, oh, you're one of those people. Yeah, I mean, it's great. You got to do it. Anyway, so this is, uh, and so, so this is important. And so baptism is important. Lord's Supper is the sword. Sharing your faith is important. But when you become a Christian, you get, the Holy Spirit gives you all these gifts and things that you can do. And he wants you to do them. He's giving you this fruit that you can bear. And he wants you to do all that. And the Holy Spirit doing all those things. But in that same thing, the Holy Spirit is empowering us to do stuff that we would not be able to do otherwise. And certainly the Holy Spirit loves baptism, loves the Lord's Supper, loves it when we profess our faith. But the Holy Spirit also gives us the ability to forgive only like Christians can forgive. To love only like Christians can love. To serve only like servant Christians can serve. You get the Holy Spirit working in you to be able to do supernatural level love and forgiveness and you think wow God I want to do I want that in my life I want you to do that through me I want to be obedient to you and as the Lord leads you and he lays things on your heart be willing and be able to do those things <clears throat> there was a young man who was who was in in, in, in high school and, uh, and he got in a situation where he was being doing some peer pressure stuff just to feel cool and was going to get himself in a lot of trouble. When you die to self, and when you live for the Lord, the consequences and the cost are significant. Let's look in chapter nine, verse Luke chapter nine, verse fifty-seven and following. <clears throat> and Jesus is with his disciples. <clears throat> As they were going down the road, someone said to him, "I will follow you wherever you go." To Jesus. Now. If I was a recruiter uh, at CSU, and I'm not, at, well, I am in, for people to come be part of the Bible department, but if I was a recruiter uh, like this, and someone came and said, hey, I want to come to your university. I want to I sign up, and I want to be, be cool and be in the chaplaincy, chaplaincy ministry program, which that's the first prerequisite. And uh, so you've got to be cool to be a part of that. So, so, we, uh, so if I'm recruiting, and I say, someone comes and says, says, Dr. Harville, Dr. Harville, I want to do four years of chaplaincy training. I'm so excited about this. I say to him, hey, listen to what Jesus says to him. This is probably true for you school universities. Uh, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, the son of hen has nowhere to lay down his hand, his head. So you say, I fo I'll follow you, Jesus. And Jesus goes, great, that's great. You know now you're, we're really, our address is in heaven now. You're not, you're an exile now. You're, you're really an alien on the planet now. This is not your home. Your home's gonna be in heaven so this is going to be a kind of a different journey for you. You need to maybe sell everything that you have and follow me. Or that house that you wanted to do, I want you to commit to, to letting people come into that home. Or, you know, that money that you were saving to take care of yourself, I want control of that in your life. Well, yeah, it's not as much fun, God. You know, I was hoping that I could be like a disciple with options. You know, I want to kind of do it this way and that way. But Jesus says here, hey, if you want to follow me, you got to say goodbye to your stuff. You got to be willing to walk away from your stuff and make me more important than your ambition, than your possessions, than your retirement plan, than your job that you want to do, than the place that you go to school, and the person you go out with. And because this also applies to relationships and traditions. So, if Jesus is Lord of your life, he's going to want to be in charge of your, of you, if you need to be able to say, God, I give you my stuff. 
I give you my plans. I give you my part of this journey. Look what happens next. And Jesus uh, said, to, uh, said to, then he said to another, follow me. But the man said, Lord, let me permit me first to go and bury my father. Now in this situation, Jesus is not talking about a dad that just died. In the next scenario, it's going to be that kind of real time, the next challenge. In this one, the tradition was there that the oldest child would take care of the family, settle all the business, get everything going, and, and then at that point, the, the, uh, they could then go do whatever they needed to do because they would have put things together. Now, we know that Jesus loves family because he, he's on the cross and he's, he's getting his mom to John to take care of. And, and so there's, there's this, this going on that, that Jesus is taking care of family. He loves family. He's important. It's very, very important to him. It's vital to him. And, uh, and, and he, and he loves, loves the, that. But what he's saying to this person is, if your traditions are more important than answering my call, if they're, they're going to prevent your discipleship, they're going to prevent your ability to follow me. And I think every one of us has some traditions in our lives that may need to be baptized. There's things that we believe, or the things that we weigh the way we do, that probably aren't as biblical, or the things that we believe from the Word that maybe need to be refreshed and recorrect and corrected to be right. And, 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 and so there's things in our life that we believe. There's a lot of street theology that's out there. You guys are in a church that teaches theology and beliefs, and so y'all are kind of the corrector to the street theology. There was a man on a kayak coming by our house yesterday who, uh, who said he, he, he prays every day, prays the Lord's Prayer every day, prays every day. Uh, he and his wife are great, but he says, uh, and I said, well, where do you go to church? He goes, I don't go. I, we just stay to ourselves. And I said, well, you, have you ever read Hebrews 10, 24, and 25? I said, why don't you pray about that t- tomorrow when you get up and think about it? And, and that, you know, passage of Scripture that, that says, uh, let us consider how to encourage one another and to build each other up, not forsaking the own of assembling ourselves together, as is the habit of some. So even in the early church, people were in the habit of not being a part of the body. Well, how do you practice your spiritual gift and build other people up if you don't show up and you're not part of the community? Even if it's online, it's community. But, you, you know, it's, it's, a, it's something we need to do. But there's, there's traditions and things that come in the way. And, you know, it's, well, you know, I, I was at church one time, but there was a hypocrite there. And I said, well, where else are you supposed to be, you know? Uh, I mean, so if you have that excuse, if, if a hypocrite's between you and the Lord, he's closer to God than you are. Anyway, so, the, so that kind of, that, so people just kind of get, the Lord's got to use us to, to help people. To, to see what traditions that they're having that's keeping them from walking in the, in the best way they can with the Lord. And Jesus says, if you've got these traditions, and you've got to think about what the, Jew, what the Jewish Christian merger, the things they had to let go of that were tradition, that were Jewish people particularly, to be able to make it work was what does being Christian community mean? What do we have to do and not have to do? Think about the food rules, all this stuff that was going on. It was, it was an amazing amount of tradition they had to die to. Is there something in your way of believing, thinking, or stuff that, that maybe you need to grow in? And I think sometimes we get in our little lanes, and so we think about the higher church, the people that are more, more sophisticated in the church, churches that are, I call the liturgical churches. And, and in the liturgical church, we talk about God and my father is better than your father is better than your father. And we talk about God and we worship him and we sing, only sing holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And... It's got to be with an organ. So, uh, are the monks have got to do it. Anyway, so it's got that kind of deal. So it's, so it's over here, and here's the traditions, and we're so thankful that we know and love God, 
and are not like the rest of them. Anyway, so, and then the Baptists are over here, the evangelicals are going, we love Jesus. Jesus is great. You got to know Jesus. You just got to be your Savior. He's got to be your Lord. You just got to walk with you. You got to walk with Jesus. He died for you. He saved you. He came for you. Jesus loves you. Jesus is great. At 12 o'clock, we release their dead. Over here, there's nobody really on live from the fire for the Lord. We're on fire for the Lord, but not as much as the Pentecostals are over there. We used to raise our hands and clap, but now we do it kind of like this. No one's looking. Okay. Uh, love you, Lord. When I get home, I'll be able to stretch this out. Anyway, so, but we don't, we don't do that here. You know, they say that churches where people clap are far more likely for folks to go forward. It changes the heart and attitude of the Anyway, the spirit of things. So there's a, maybe that's a tradition. And, and then we go, well, am I preventing somebody else from worshiping in an orderly way that's appropriate? Is there something we could do different in that? And maybe the tradition is, hey, this is, we got to do it this way or no way. Because that's the way I did growing up. And there's a maturity thing there. God, is you asking me to do it? Can I, I can move. I mean, golly, heaven's forever. I mean, we can, we can adjust a little bit here and do what God wants us to do. Why don't we ask him what he wants? And be willing to say, God, whatever. When Marsha and I have had many, many, many occasions in our lives where we've had the opportunity to pray to find out what God's will was. Okay, do we move to England or do we move to Japan? It's your choice. Y'all figure it out. We got a choice. We never had choices in the military. This is different. And, but <clears throat> we did. And so we prayed about it, we prayed about it. We died to ourselves, we died to each other being right or wrong on that issue. How do you, that's the right way to buy a car as a couple, is to not care who wins. You can never beat your own team. You can never win against your own team. So you come together and you say, God, your will be done. What do you want? And we'll just let, let the Lord decide. And then we'll be at peace with that because it was his decision and we died to self and said, we don't care, God, whatever you want. So traditions, well, this is a tradition. And so over here, the, over here, the, the, the Pentecostals, the Charismatics are, the question was asked, can Charismatics go to heaven? And the answer is, well, yes, if they don't overshoot it. Anyway, so, uh, and, so the, and so here's this, here's, man, we're just sure glad. What's wrong with those people? We, we've got the Spirit. The Spirit helps us do this, and the Holy Spirit teaches us that, and the Holy Spirit works within us, and the Spirit does this for us and gifts us, and we trust in the Holy Spirit. Well, it's the Trinity. There's times when we need to be here. God, wow, you are awesome. Thanks for that sunset. Jesus, thank you for walking with us. Holy Spirit, thank you for filling us. It's, that's the package God wants us to be thinking like. We need to be thinking, and we can learn from our other believers truth, and we can discern what is and isn't the best for, for our congregations and things. So tradition's a big deal. Relationships, however, this one's hard. And when he talks, Paul, Jesus talks about this in verse uh, um, 39, he said, follow me. But the man said, Lord, permit me to first go bury my father. Verse 60. And he said to, to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. And what Jesus is saying is, my, my authority in your life has to be greater than your traditions. You have to be willing to do what I ask you to do. Here's a hard one. It's been in your family for 30 years, or 30, 30 generations to do the same job. And then God calls you to be a missionary or calls you to do something different or God calls you to do something different. 
And everybody's got to say, okay, Lord, let's pray about that. Let's talk about it. And Jesus is saying, be willing to hear my voice, even when it's hard. And it's often really hard. And, and so another, another, he says, I'll follow you, Lord, but first permit me to go say goodbye to those in my house. Understand what Jesus is saying. He is saying, this is the message, this is the truth here, that our relationships with other human beings do not have primacy, do not, are, not, are not greater than our, uh, our, our relationship with Jesus. Our relationship with Jesus has to be the primary relationship of our lives. Jesus is not one of our priorities. He's the giver of our priorities. So he's not, so he's got, he is saying, I need to be more important to you than your family, than your mom and your dad. Everybody here, than your kids. I need to be more important to you than any other human. Because if you're going to follow me, you have to die to self to everything that's also this good in your life so that so that I can give you abundant life in those relationships in that growth and traditions in that in, in, that, in the things that you, God wants you to do with your life I want to give you abundant life in those things not that there's not going to be suffering not that there's not going to be issues not that there's not going to be challenges in that that's, that's part of the Christian journey, that people get persecuted, that things happen. But God is calling us to be able to say yes to him in any of these particular areas of life. This friend who went to, was in high, high school, he was a sophomore, and he wanted to be sitting with the juniors and the seniors. He was, you know, to be, to be part of the team, and they would say, hey, he, he was cool, and he went out with the wide receiver, went out to the little roach coach at the, outside of the cafeteria there, and he got, uh, there was a big long line, and the senior that was wide receiver says, hey, let's just steal the chocolate, oh, hot chocolate. I mean, the, the, the chocolate milk. And so he picked up the chocolate milk and he walked with the guy back into the school. Got to the cafeteria table where the cheerleaders were and the team was. And he was standing at the end of the table and he headed the milk. And the senior says, man, look what he did. We stole this milk. They never saw it. Man, he's so cool. He was in. He turned around with his milk, walked back outside to the roach coach the little kid. it was a food truck back in the old days anyway so uh, and so he said to the lady he said ma'am I took this milk I'm sorry I want to pay for it and he paid for it and began to walk back in to the school and what happened when he put God is more important than relationships what do you think happened ridiculed, teased, joked ostracized 40 of those team members became Christian that year. He was voted the, the most popular guy in the entire high school of 2,000 people. What happens when you put Jesus as in charge of your decisions and your life? When you make him more important than the relationships. Then God transforms stuff. There's a thing uh, 
in the Roman settlements, I was in a, on board a plane with a guy from uh, Stanford University who was doing some research in, in Egypt in a Hellenistic, a Greek uh, city, I mean a Roman citizen, excuse me, city, city excuse me. And his, um, and I heard about this for years and years and years and years, but I never really heard anybody that actually talked about it. Um, when we say Lord, um, it may not we may not get what, what the, the gravity it meant to the early church. And here's what would happen is every year, because Caesar was Lord, that was his title. So every year, every person, now remember they've got 2,000 gods they worship. They could care less what you worship so long as Caesar was number one. So every year you would go to pay your taxes, you would register in your town, you would go down to the equivalent of the, of, the, of the county seat and you would go there, you would register your name, you would pay whatever taxes you were to do, you would take incense at the, and then at the altar, the statue of Caesar, you would say, Caesar Escurias. Caesar is Lord. They would write your name down, the soldiers would say thanks and see you next year. And that's where it went. So it, was like, so it was essentially an April 15th kind of event. Everybody paid their taxes. You declared the United States to be God. And then, you know, it's kind of, I mean, silly, but excuse me for that. Uh, but this is, their situation was, was that. So all of a sudden, now you must confess Jesus is Lord. So just imagine the Christian couple who's going to pay their taxes and they come and they pay their taxes. And they say, okay, okay, you got to do the incense thing. And they take the incense with trembling hands and put it over here. And they say, Jesus, Gorias, Jesus is Lord. What? What are you doing? Don't you know the penalty for this? Just do what we told you to do. But Jesus is Gorias. Jesus is Lord. And the Roman soldier would say, okay, you obviously don't get this. We don't care. As long as you just say that word phrase. That's all you need to do. But by law, if you don't confess Caesar is Lord, we have to kill you. We're going to tar you and your family up on poles in light streets with you. We're going to put you into the Colosseums to be eaten by lions. We're going to torture you we are going to crucify you and just say Caesar is Lord. But Jesus is curious. Jesus is Lord. And they captured, they, they took him to jail. They imprisoned him. They did exactly what they said they would do. They, lo- they lit roads with them. They put them into the Colosseums to be eaten. And the tradition says that, that the men would stay on the outside and the women would be next and the kids would be in the middle. They would sing songs, hymns, telling people they forgave them. Imagine the young Roman couple who had two young kids and they went to the games that day to see what it would be. And they're sitting there and they're watching this. And after they see the Lions or the tigers that begin to pull away the people and kill them and, and the reaction wasn't fear and running around and stuff. It was worship and praise. And, and so imagine the dad saying to the kids, his wife, he says, you guys want to get something to eat? 
after the games? No. Laying in bed at night, both awake, the husband says to the wife, what do they have that we don't have? I say, well, I know somebody who's a Christian. I'll ask them. And they turn the world upside down because Jesus was more important in their lives than anything else. So we wake up in the morning and we do Luke 9.23. If anyone wishes to follow me, anyone wishes to follow me, let him deny himself Take up his cross every day. Lord, your will be done. This could be fun, God. Let's do it. Whatever it is, we're on. Your will be done. And then follow me. If you're going to follow me, you've got to die to self. You have to take up your cross and follow me. And from that is where abundant life is really born. Because when you're in the journey with Jesus when you're getting to walk with him, when you're making him more important than any of the things happening in your world, then watch out what God can do. Because God can do in a moment what we can't do in a lifetime. And the changes and the things he will do in your life. I love this sermon. I love this because we don't understand lordship unless you're in the military or in something like that you really don't get what it means to say you go stand there and die you go over here and serve and if you're in the military you get that but most of the American experience isn't like that unless it's a parent relationship with kids you sit uh, and so you get that experience probably everybody got a little bit of that hopefully if you're in a good home you got a lot of that but, uh, but the point of that being is that Lord relationship that ownership of us was purchased with his blood. It is his right to expect us to follow him. That's routine for believers of Jesus and to make him Lord. Their context, it was really a big deal that Caesar's name, the Caesar's title was Lord. And Jesus was greater than that because he's king of kings. He's Caesar of Caesars. He's above them. So I want to ask you today to think about where you may fit in this as a place where there's something in your life that you really haven't fully given to the Lord. Maybe it's your whole life. Just the recommitting and dedicating yourself to say, Jesus, I want to do this journey with you. You may be kind of standing outside of the lane going, I haven't really been walking with the Lord in a long time. I really need to be walking with the Lord. Jesus, I give you my life completely. Your will be done in my life. And I will follow yours. Just like he said in the Garden of Gethsemane, Lord, God, your will be done. Father, please today, show us where we are and what we need to do. Lord, for those who are here today and they haven't, come to know you as Savior. Their spiritual DNA isn't 
changed to Christian yet. God, please convict them of that and the need to do that and the need to know you as Lord and Savior and to be transformed and changed into Christian. Father, for us who are dealing with issues and, and, and things of, of our life and wanting to be a disciple, having this huge challenge, we just pray that your spirit would give us, you would call us and draw us and just make this really clear and burden us that we would surrender to you completely every part and aspect of our lives and not hold any of that back. And that, Lord, you would use that in us to journey with you better and to walk in step with the Spirit and to seek God's face. So, Father, we pray that you would touch our lives, that you would bless us. And with everybody here, with your eyes closed, with your, just let's spend a minute with you praying to God about what God's laid upon your heart today. For those of you who committed your life anew to Jesus, God, please bless them in this journey. For those who are saying yes to you today in a deeper way and maybe for their first time, thank you for this. And God, help them and guide them in the journey and the walk with you. Lord, as we die to self, we take up our cross. It's because you are Lord and we want you to be Lord of our lives. And we want to follow you. Thank you for the abundant life you want us to have as we journey with you. And Lord, this prerequisite is a big deal for us. Help us to do this every day, to stay on track with you. God bless this church. God bless this church. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.